Hello, and welcome to The Kink Perspective. My name's Chris. I'm a psychotherapist and consultant. On this episode, I want to talk about a subject that comes up quite often, that there's sometimes a little bit of an area of confusion. I want to talk today about the difference between hurt versus harm. We all understand that the fetish lifestyle and the BDSM community can get into some pretty dodgy areas at times, especially into the terms of the participants that are involved and their well-being. Pain play, impact play, especially if they're done badly or incorrectly, can result in some serious injuries and some forms, even forms of bondage, can be physically risky as well if you don't know what you're doing. When we look at something like humiliation or verbal abuse or degradation, it can inflict emotional wounds on somebody or psychological wounds. Even validating somebody's self, invalidating somebody's self-image can be quite destructive or sometimes it can even encourage poor mental health. In other instances, we can look at fin doms and to elaborate on that word, a financial dominatrix is one that has a submissive who is giving their bank accounts freely and they're pretty much there to kind of drain their accounts or even control their flow and take most of their money to buy other things or implements for at the uh, fin dom's discretion. But if that's done unethically, it can put the submissive in a financially precarious situation and which can result in some serious long-term harm for that person. Many forms of the play that we get involved with, or we do, something like flogging, caning, paddling, electro-torture, initially were all created as and employed as punishments or forms of torture, usually in the past to extort some sort of information as through the ages it's gone on, it was just used as a pure form of torture. Other types of play, such as CBT or cock and ball torture, bloodletting, electro-torture, using St. Andrew's Cross, a Wartenberg wheel, they carry with them a real risk of serious injury, especially if they're used by someone who isn't trained properly or they're just done with poor execution. Something else that more and more people tend to be curious about and get involved with and is not, and they're not completely familiar with this form of play is breath play or asphyxiation. And it can carry with it some extremely dangerous risks. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that we set out to get involved in breath play and then we're trying to harm someone. But I don't want to go too far into, I'm not talking today to so much about the different types of play as I want to talk about the differences when we get into hurting and harming someone. When we look at a lot of different avenues, many dominants and submissives like their play, their scenes, their negotiations. They want them to come some level of maybe cruelty, harshness, punishment, or physical pain. People tend to enjoy or at least entertain the idea that the dominant is consistently cruel or harsh or hurtful towards their submissive. This couldn't be further from the truth. But there is this mystique of that surrounds potential violence if the submissive doesn't obey properly or is going to be severely punished or consistently made to kneel on rice, for example, as a punishment. Another problem when we understand and think about this culture is that something like pornography ends up like a star collapsing inwards 
the context of the BDSM community, because many people who are novices or just beginners in the lifestyle assume that kink is always about inflicting actual violence or injury to someone. And as we all know, especially those who are active in the community, we just know this not to be true. But because of all of this, it's important for us to understand that be those lifestylers, those people who are active in the community, definitely under have a greater understanding of the differentiation between hurt and harm. We need to understand that hurt is temporary. It's something that just, it's short term, it's discomfort. It even can be arousing or inflicted intentionally to gain a different sensation or reaction from the submissive. As we move, you know, examples we can look at this is like when we are, somebody's using a riding crop on genitalia or they're paddling or smacking or spanking someone. The bite of a clamp on top of a nipple or again on the genitals. The discomfort is a way of challenging the bondage position in a way to not only create the power exchange itself, but to inflict some sort of level of pain that ends up acting like a cathartic release to some people. Through that pain, they can let go of their lives that they are encountering on a daily basis and find themselves in a world which ends up encompassing all of what they've had their prior day or week. And through this release, they find a way to let go. Harm or hurt done correctly is pleasurable for both the dominant and the submissive. Some sadists, more than others, inflict more hurt upon their bottom or their masochist that they're with or submissive or slave than others on bigger and grander levels. They're always coming up with new and inventive ways to inflict levels of pleasurable hurt upon their partner. Obviously, all of this is done with consent. So when I'm talking about these things, and we have these discussions, and these discussions are valid, and they need to be had, we have to understand that there is always a consistent difference between hurt and harm. You can temporarily want to hurt your submissive, leave them with bruises, so they're kind of they're quite reminded of the play session you had. We see this in a lot of the depictions on social media websites, fetish.com or alt.com, you know, FetLife, even on places like Instagram, although Instagram is starting to challenge it just for the simple fact that they're making sure that people aren't actually promoting violence. So some people almost, or at least some I've talked to, almost feel like Instagram is kind of sheltering or making them withdraw in their kink instead of allowing them to share it with the world. But we have to also remember the world isn't consenting for us to share our kink with them because they haven't consented to see it. Again, I don't want to digress into too much of that. But when we see these things, when we see somebody being spanked, or we watch a video where the dominant is setting up the scene and maybe tying their um, submissive to or, or chaining them to like a pummel horse, for example, they're setting the scene so they can enact acceptable and negotiated amounts of hurt upon their submissive. On the other side, there is also masochists. Masochists thrive in the world of hurt. Now, not all masochists need physical hurt. Some masochists thrive on emotional or verbal hurt. 
And they need this. Again, for them, it's part of their cathartic release. It's how they move forward. There's nothing wrong. If you, if you talk to any masochist who's been doing it long enough, the levels of pain and their tolerance start to go up. It's like anything else. Whereas they're looking for their releases of their serotonin and their uh, endorphins, these levels start to rise as more as more pain is inflicted. And they thrive on this. But we also have to look at the contrast here. And the contrast to this starts in the world that we really have to start being concerned with. And this is when we get into the world of harm. Harm is to intentionally cause pain that doesn't go away on its own. That's not going to heal after a few days. Harm, in some instances, requires professional assistance before it can be healed or dealt with. Going to the hospital going to see a psychologist, right? Or even just talking to our families. The assistance can come from anywhere. At this moment, when we've inflicted this kind of harm, emotional, physical, or mental, we've now crossed the boundaries outside of consent. We have now taken our partner and ourselves outside of the realm of a relationship that we were within trusting. Now, does harm always equal abuse in every instance? Harm doesn't, or at least the definition of it doesn't. Harm can happen at any moment, even even everyone is involved, is prepared, they've planned the scene, they've checked the ropes, and they're trying to be as careful and safe as possible. But I, I don't want to get into the whole BDSM is ultra dangerous, especially if you've been doing it long enough or you've been to some scenes or you've gone to some classes or demonstrations yes those involved in fire play or needle play the play is dangerous but as you train more and as you get involved in it more and as you practice your craft bdsm lifestylers definitely know the difference and can see the difference between what's bdsm and a scene and abuse that's taken without or given without consent And for the most part, I don't really believe people are trying to dance around the safety issues to inflict harm. If you're involved with a partner who is crossing your boundaries on a consistent basis, if you have a partner who's violating your consent or pushing you into areas first that you're not ready for, or you said you were kind of curious about, but they are insisting you're doing it, and then this starts to have real repercussions for you. You're sitting at home having flashbacks, your nightmares. This could be a good indication that some of the behavior you're starting to get involved in is harmful. So you haven't really crossed right into the full realm of harm, but we're still at that point where we're getting out of the pleasurable side of what we want to do into something that's long-term and long-lasting. Well, so how do we know can one thing hurt us and it's pleasurable versus harm somebody else well everybody is absolutely 100 percent different there are people out there that aren't masochists there are people out there that have no desire to get involved in any type of impact play they don't want to be beat on they want to be cared for nurtured looked after they might just be involved in service and that's all that matters to them they want to be given their orders given their tasks do as they're told and move on with the day for them that is enough So not everyone, and even at that, some people can equate that to levels of pain. 
But communication and understanding our partner's limits is one of the best ways to prevent harm the best we can. There's a good quote that I always like to bring up because people will talk to me about, well, we have to be safe. We have to be safe. Well, safety is not something you can hold in your hands. Safety is only something that exists between your ears. And that's a quote that I'm using. And it's completely true. We can plan for as many contingencies as we want, but we have no idea if we're rigging someone to the ceiling that how old the the ceiling joists are and what happens if there's rot up there we didn't see and then we hang somebody and then all of a sudden the tension, they break and fall and break their leg. It was unintentionally harmful. So we try to be as safe as we can. When we start to look at these, what where are these borderline activities? Well, pain and emotional play, degradation, humiliation, taking a baseball bat, wrapping it in, wrapping it in barbed wire, and beating our sub's ass. Well, we can start to see where the lines between hurt and harm get blurred. But again, it still comes down to the players that are involved. Not all pain play and not all emotional or degradation types of play contain aspects of harm. They, are, they can be harmful in the wrong situations, but to seasons players who are always looking to elevate their games or their roles or their scenes between them, themselves and their partner, then we're no longer in a realm of whether they're worried about their safety because trust is so established. They know that the other person has nothing but their interests at heart. So another area that I want to bring up as well is when we're talking about harm and it doesn't or hurt versus harm. So I don't just want to cover the physical aspect as far as transference of pain. When we get into the emotional sides, when I, we talk about emotional harm or emo, emotional hurt, those carry two different inherent weights, especially within the BDSM community. So if we look at emotional hurt, Let's talk about degradation. So calling someone names or insulting them or making them feel less than. Obviously, the scene is at this point consented to. All parties agree. This is part of this erotic power exchange that people thrive on and live in this field. And it can go further. We can They can take in their degradation to maybe being urinating on one another. When we get into the realm of emotional hurt, I mean emotional harm, I apologize. There's both sides that are have responsibility here. And people are going to ask me, well, what do you mean? The dominance and control. Well, sure. So let's look at the dominant side. With dominance, they have, you need to be trained. You need to have a plan. There should be, the more risky your types of play are going to be, the more you should consider possibly having not only one safety plan, but two, potentially, if this is your first time doing it, having one or two other party members there that can at least supervise or watch to make sure nothing is going wrong. If you're so at a point where you're self-conscious that you want to do something that could be potentially, potentially harmful, you probably shouldn't be doing it in the first place. Second, you need to let go of the ego. When I first started training and when I got involved in the community, I was practicing in front of a lot of people because I wanted to get a lot of feedback to know what I did wrong, 
constantly because when I learned what I did wrong, I learned in the response of how to become better in my craft. On the other side of it, oh, third, with dominance. And this is kind of just expanding on what I said. You have to train. You have to be willing to go to classes, speak with other dominants, take a mentor, read books. If you're going to start rigging, maybe watch YouTube channels to learn how to tie knots. Understand basic biology on if you are going to rig somebody or learn how to rig where you can and can't tie someone. Learn the questions to ask when you get involved with somebody. You know, do you are you scared of small places or being confined? Or do you have any blood uh, blood pressure issues? Do you have any medical conditions I need to be aware about? While these questions might seem innocuous, or you're asking them off of some sort of medical sheet, the reality is, is knowing these things can better inform your play so you don't end up harming your partner. And that's part of our responsibility as dominance, to ask as many questions. This is why I tend to tell people, and I stress this, significantly in a lot of the things that I write. A BDSM relationship when first starting out, the majority of what you should be doing in those first couple of months is talking. If you're jumping right in and going, yep, great, I want you to be my dom, and great, I want you to be my submissive, and you don't know anything about each other, you're setting yourselves up to fail. You're setting yourselves up to harm each other or to inflict harm, even if it's unintentional. Now I want to kind of look at the other side with submissives. Now submissives naturally have a tendency they want to please their dominant. You also want to be careful that you're not overstating your own experience. You're not overstating your thresholds or willing to cross your boundaries to allow yourself to be involved in a scene with the person you want to be involved with that could in turn bring lasting harm to you. You don't want to be less than honorable. You want to be sure that you know, you're trustworthy just as much as you want trust out of them, that you're openly communicating as much as you want it out of your dominant. BDSM is often thought about, and I see this quite a bit on social media, that there's some sort of mythical misnomer out in the BDSM community that submissives are like these innocent does being hunted by big, bad, rifle-toting, dominance that's just not true you're still submissives are still people they're still cognizant they still have the ability to make a choice and a decision regardless of them giving up their power to somebody else they consented to do that and then that's a different topic for a different day so i don't want to digress about that too much but there is a responsibility as a submissive to be open and honest about your own limitations not just trying to impress your partner because you want to be with them or you're worried about that if you don't have enough experience they may look elsewhere well then that's not the person for you that's another way you can start to minimize your levels of harm so i kind of want to look at even that for a moment can we is there a way to completely prevent harm well no unfortunately you can't completely prevent harm you can be as prepared as possible for as many scenarios as you can think of and create in your mind. You can do everything to reduce risk. You can communicate before a scene. You can 
talk about the plan leading up to it. You can communicate during the scene. And I often believe, and I tend to get my best feedback, is when I'm communicating after a scene during aftercare. I'm getting feedback not only on how my submissive is doing after something very emotionally and physically charged, but I'm getting feedback on what she likes, how she enjoyed it, what she didn't like, maybe how we could position something differently or impact in a different place. Now, what happens if we're involved in a heavy degradation or interrogation type of scene? Now we're talking about getting into the levels of emotional harm or uh, cognitive harm. That type of harm, even if unintentional, is a lot more difficult to deal with and takes, requires a lot more time to heal from. I do, again, stress this. For those of you getting involved in interrogation scenes or degradation scenes, you need to speak up about your any emotional issues that you have surrounding some of the things that you might encounter. Maybe you don't want to be called a bitch or a whore or that gives you some sort of memory relapse back into a time where something has happened to you. You don't want to be stuck in the middle of a scene and all of a sudden have a regression and have no way to communicate that because you've agreed to wear a ball gag and be blindfolded and you're dominant for whatever reason because he's on the other side of the room, you're snapping your fingers and he can't hear you and that's part of your safe word, for example, your safe sign and you have no way to get out and all of a sudden you're caught up in an emotional, harmful episode and you're freaking out. So communication is huge. You have to talk about your feelings. You have to talk about if somebody harmed your your emotional state and it's okay. We have to be willing to be open and willing to grow. If we're dealing with if I have a submissive and she says oh, we you know that really that kind of hurt my feelings. All right. So what about it that I said so I can maybe alter my patterns of how I will talk to you in the future? Especially even if it's something you don't think is not that important. All of these levels are important, especially to somebody else. And since all of us are on different levels, all of us are experiencing it at different times and we're not in the same experience levels. You can't be afraid to not speak up. That's the whole point that we talk about communication. We talk about being as safe as we possibly can. We have things in place in the scenes for our protection from the beginning of the scene to the end of it. We, what The other thing is I want to look at, especially more so in the BDSM community, typically, especially with sadists, for us, hurt is often our end game. Harm never is fits in the equation. When I've looked at my submissive, I've, and she knows, there are often times all I want to do is just hurt her because it's pleasurable. She enjoys the release. She enjoys the punishment. And I enjoy inflicting it. But never once does it cross my mind that I want to hurt her so much I cross into the realm of harm. Hurt between the two of us leads to emotional or to enormous amounts of emotional, physical, and mental growth between the two of us. It grows the dynamic. Hurt becomes the bonding 
glue between the two of us. When we look at harm, though, it's something we want to avoid at all costs, that we do everything in our power to make sure it's not going to happen. And if it does, we cease all activities. Harm is damaging, long-lasting. It can be mended, but it usually requires an inordinate amount of time, especially when trust is involved. We also have to know that harm is going to have extremely long-lasting effects. You know, ultimately, we all share a responsibility within the community, not just the dominants, not just the submissives. Even if you're a submissive or a slave or a bottom, giving up your power in an exchange to a dominant, we still have an obligation to know how to be as safe as we can when we're playing with somebody. We have to take that responsibility seriously. And we never have to go into a scene as a dominant or a submissive saying, oh gosh, I hope they're going to, you know, they're not going to inflict just hurt on me, but I hope they're going to harm me. I have never once met somebody willing or not willing to, but that wanting to say that. We have to be concerned about our health, our well-being of both parties involved. You don't want a dominant who's coming into a scene, especially in the age of COVID, and he's got, you know, a 102 degree fever, but because they haven't, him and his submissive haven't played in four months, she's pushing or the submissive, the male submissive is pushing their dominant, whatever the case may be, to play just because they want to play. Well, that's being self-absorbed. That's when mistakes are going to get made. And frankly, because you're being, somebody's being selfish, you're harming somebody else at their expense. At the end of the day, are there dominants or even submissives that are abusers? Yes, there are. There are people out there that abuse their positions. There are people that are bad for the community. And that's the one good thing about the King community is that we all talk. We all share information. We all communicate to one another and tell each other about our experiences or people we've been involved with. Sometimes there are lines we have to read between. Sometimes we have to look a little further. But it's, when it comes down to the debate between hurt and harm, the more you understand that difference, the better equipped you are going to be when you get inside of a dynamic. Otherwise, you're just going to sit there and not know the difference between the two. You might get involved with someone who isn't all they are trying to do is intentionally be harmful. Because for some side of their sadistic personality, and they may mask it in that, they're just saying, oh, I'm doing this because it, you know, fulfills my needs. Well, fulfilling one's own needs at the expense of somebody else is not part of a consenting dynamic. That's abuse. That's harmful. So I hope you learned a little bit something today between hurt and harm. Never stop talking about it. Understanding the difference between hurt and harm where hurt is pleasurable, harm is long-lasting and painful. Understanding the difference between these two is key to having another notch in your tool belt inside of the BDSM and fetish community. Because at some point, we all get involved in something that is hurtful, possibly in a good way. Or sometimes we get involved in things that end up being harmful. Until next time, be safe, stay kinky.